Welcome to the Drive Able podcast, where we discuss all things about driving and safer community transport for people with disabilities and medical conditions. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you subscribe to our channel and follow us on the socials. Just search Drive Able Podcast. We have heaps of content now and lots of interviews, so make sure you go back and listen and pick up some of those little gold nuggets that are there. G'day, Ali. How are you going? G'day, Brad. I'm great. And we have another awesome episode coming up. Uh, this is another high-level industry expert we've got coming in. Amy Bjornsson is a clinical educator and senior therapist consultant at Sunrise Medical, who are the biggest wheelchair manufacturers in the world at the moment. Amy actually comes originally from the US. She's got a physio background and she's been working in Australia for decades. Her experience in wheelchairs and transport um, is actually really highly regarded. I know her relatively well myself. Um, And um, in Australia, she's very, very popular. So whenever we see her giving talks, um, they always are like, I guess, quote unquote, sell out. They always book out um, and, you know, people are always queuing up to watch what she's got to say. So I'm really excited to have her on. Um, I know it's going to be popular. I know um, she's going to give us a lot of gold. So uh, Brad, are you ready to uh, interview Amy? Yeah, I can't wait to meet her. I haven't met her yet. So this should be really, really good. Let's get into it. Driving is something many take for granted, but when someone has altered ability, then driving or getting out and about in your own car can be challenging. Driving with a disability doesn't mean you have to drive an old clapped out car with farm-like machinery, and relying on a wheelchair doesn't mean waiting for hours and then being in the back of a maxi access cab getting car sick. The Drivable podcast is designed to introduce and explore driving aids for people with disabilities vehicle modifications, the NDIS, research, medical guidelines, driving techniques, and much, much more. The Drivable podcast is to help you be informed and be in control of your own independence so you can experience freedom through driving safely and reliably. I'm Ali, and with me is Brad, and together we have over 30 years of experience in disability and driving. Enough of the intros, let's get into it. Okay, welcome back. In this episode, we are talking with Amy Bjornsson from Sunrise Medical. Hi, Amy. How are you going? Good to see you oh, again. Yes. Hello. How are you, Amin? Yeah, really good. And it's Ali, but it's all good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Got to get that Amin right, is brother. My brother, as everybody knows, but, but it's all good. Um, I'm just reading on the bottom, getting myself confused. <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, my name is down there. Sorry, guys. Edited. Um, so, so, yeah. Um, how are you going, Amy? You're good. So tell us a little bit about yourself, um, what you do at Sunrise Medical. Um, you're not necessarily working in sales as such. Um, you're doing a bit more of a technical role. So tell us a little bit more about yourself, what you do. Sure. Um, I'm a physio or a physical therapist by background. Um, started my training in the US and then I've been out in Australia um, something 13 years, I guess. Um, I am the clinical sort of liaison here at Sunrise Medical. And Sunrise is the manufacturer of wheelchairs, seating systems, um, electronics, um, across the broad spectrum of mobility equipment. Um, I'm the clinical director. I'm based out of Sydney. And uh, Sunrise has always been um, really front and center in terms of helping therapists and end users decide um, how to use our products, when to use our products. So I'm part of that team trying to um, allow therapists to do better assessments and understand more what our products do and, and perhaps what they don't do. 
Wonderful. So you- I, I'm, 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 I've got heaps of questions as an occupational therapist. So, um, yeah, look, it, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this and I'm hoping that other occupational therapists, other physiotherapists and other the mobility uh, teams as well may be able to pick up on some important factors here when we start talking about wheelchairs um, and we're going to slant that towards using wheelchairs in vehicles. So I can't wait. So how your position there um, at, at Sunrise in, in the clinical lead type of liaison position there, when you um, prescribe wheelchairs, there's many factors that, that have to be thought about. What are some of the main factors that you need to consider? If we, um, for people listening to this um, on a podcast channel, um, Amy's sitting in front of a couple of wheelchairs um, on, this, on this Zoom meeting. You can check it out on YouTube as well. We record these and put these up on YouTube if you're listening. But Amy's sitting in front of a couple of wheelchairs um, behind her. If we're prescribing, Amy, a wheelchair, or you're prescribing, not me, but you're prescribing a wheelchair such as some of the power wheelchairs behind you there, what are some of the main factors that you're considering when you are prescribing a wheelchair? Yeah, well, I think about what the person needs, what they functionally want to do in a chair, where they're going to travel, the distances, the terrains. Um, I also want to know how long they're going to be sitting in the piece of equipment. Is it a couple hours or is it all day? I want to know about their abilities and their disabilities, um, about comfort and their posture. And probably the next scope I want to know is how are they going to transport it? Do they need it to fold up and put into the boot of a car or are they going to ride in that vehicle and then think, hey, do they have space limitations? But, you know, transportation is always one of the, the early on questions. Well, that's wonderful. Do you, do you think that uh, all wheelchair prescribers are doing that? No, no. I think sometimes we, we lose the forest for the trees, you know, and, and I have a couple sayings. What's most important to this client most of the time? And what are the deal breakers, the absolute must-haves? And the sooner you can delineate what those items are, um, the better that prescription is going to proceed. Yeah, there's, there's a really important point that I picked up in what you were saying there. And it's, it's one of the things that I want to highlight to maybe the NDIS uh, delegates that are, that are listening as well, is that wheelchairs aren't for 24-7 use, not all the time. And um, even a power wheelchair like behind you, it can be for certain periods of the day. And when we're talking about transport, at home, they may not use a wheelchair. They may furniture surf, grabbing onto furniture to move around the house um, or have a a smaller manual type of wheelchair. But uh, Amy, you might be able to back me up on this and give a little bit more context, but having a power wheelchair for the community might be something that um, is prescribed. Is that correct? Sure. And, you know, I think we do need to keep our eye on the game of what are we trying to provide these people? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of terminology right now about reasonable and necessary. You know, what do they need today to suit their goals that are in their NDIS plan? Um, no less, but perhaps not more, um, while also looking towards what does the next five years or even seven years look like for this client? You know, the, 
the um, worst thing that we can do is maybe um, a progressive disease like a client with MS. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody's thought of, well, they're they're going to progress in their disabilities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, will they be able to sit in this chair the length of time that they need to? Will they be able to control it? Do we need to build in um, or future proof this chair? So it's both, right? We need to make sure that we're meeting their goals today, but just keeping an eye on the future as well. Yeah, very big point. And when it comes to vehicles then, and community transport, what type of questions are really important to ask for a wheelchair prescriber in when it comes to prescribing a wheelchair that is suitable for wheelchair uh, for vehicle transport? Yeah, I guess the first question is, how are you going to transport it? Are you going to ride in the car in the car seat? or are you anticipating needing to sit into the wheelchair? I think this group all knows that the safest place for someone to be is in the the actual seat of the car. It's been manufactured that way. Only time we should be looking at them traveling in the wheelchair itself is when that is not feasible for them to transfer into the car seat, or if that car seat isn't safe transport for them. Um, And then I wanna know um, what sort of space, do you already have the van? What space requirements are there? Um, height of the door, width of the door, height of the space inside, turning radius. Um, And then we'll look towards what kind of tie downs is most functional for the person using the chair and maybe any of their caregivers. Ali, you might be able to uh, help us out on this one um, in regards to just a really important point that Amy uh, made there in regards to safe travel between a car seat and a wheelchair. Are you able to, from an engineer's point of view, able to add to that? Yeah, yeah, that's something which um, yeah, I was taking a few notes on because it's, as you know, it's something that we harp on a fair bit. Um, and I'll sort of segue it into another point of what you made, which is around the tie downs. So, because um, I do want to focus a little bit on that as well. So, as as you guys know, the easiest the, the easiest way I explain it to people is um, a car seat is bolted to the car um, and a wheelchair is not. <laughs> it's just very simple. So do you want to be both, do you want to be sitting on something that is bolted to the car or something that's strapped to the car? You know, it's, it's pretty simple. Um, that's the way I look at it. Um, there is no movement in a chair, but in a wheelchair, there is some form of movement. It's a, at the end of the day, it is a form of um, compromise. It is safe. They're not unsafe, um, but there is, it's much better in the car seat. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's just a better, better option. And, and then I guess it did segue onto that tie down thing because the tie downs is and actually becoming a little bit of a hot topic at the moment. Um, it's kind of you know mid mid to uh, mid to late twenty twenty one, and I think watch this space because um, I guess the requirements of the standards are not that clear in terms of tie down numbers, um, and now we're starting to see that wheelchair manufacturers are requiring six tie downs instead of four on an increasing basis um, with, with their models. And so that's going to add, I guess, potentially extra, um, like from a safety point of view, if everything's done right, yeah, it's fine. But from a user point of view, um, everything being done right and six things, six tie downs, um, I think it's just really starting to push the limits of, is that really going to be safe? You know, like are people really going to tie that all, you know, all six of them up properly and so on. And um, yeah, I guess, what do you have to say about that? And, and what's going on there? And is there many sunrise seats that are coming out with six? 
I guess it might be good to define what a crash test is. Yes. Crash was developed by the industry voluntarily, and Sunrise was part of the initial group that did this, um, because there are no mandates about um, wheelchairs having to be tied down in, in cars in Australia or in vans. Um, so Sunrise was one of that first group that brought it upon themselves to say, you know, we need to find a safer way for people to be translate, transported in their chairs and cars. And so they, we came up with um, this crash test. And the crash test basically is based on crash tests that are done for safety um, standards for the car seats. Basically, you accelerate the, the vehicle with the wheelchair inside at a, at a wall. The wheelchair is forward facing. Um, and we look at the G-forces and, and how the bits of the wheelchair stay together and how much movement occurs in the wheelchair. So to successfully pass a crash test, the wheelchair has to be forward facing, needs to be in what I call the home position. So not a lot of tilt, not a lot of backcline, um, lift all the way down if they have it. Person does have to be forward facing. Um, and then it has those four, now four tie down straps. Okay. The ones in the front will go out at 40 to 60 degrees. You put those on first. And then the rear restraints, um, whether they go through the actual tie down loops that are on the wheelchair or through the frame, they should be designated with a carabiner if, they've, um, if it's been successfully crash tested. Those rear restraints you'll put on last and those will come straight back um, in line with the chair. So that's the four um, wheelchair to vehicle restraints. Additionally, you need the three per those three location um, occupant to vehicle restraint system. Now that's a restraint. It's not a pelvic belt. It's not a positional thing. That's actually then securing the person to the vehicle and then to the floor of the van. So we need to make sure that we, we know what a crash test is. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the seat belt for for just uh, layman terms. It's actually the seat belt that holds you, holds the person attached to the car, not attached to the wheelchair. But it has to be a three point. Um, you know the the shoulder strap, the sash, mm -hmm. and the pelvic belt. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. what we were talking about, um, what I was on about was um, there is some newer, and I don't know if Sunrise has any, maybe they don't. There are some newer, heavier wheelchairs that are coming with four tie downs for the rear and two for the front. Um, and I did a video on it recently, basically saying, I think in my opinion, if you have that situation, you're probably better to lean towards a dock because there's less chance of error, um, user error, uh, because we just see there's so much user error with those, um, with those kind of tie downs. And, and I guess, what do you think about that with the extra tie downs? Um, and, and do you think that's gonna increase more and more? I do think that we'll do more six point because the weight of the wheelchairs is increasing so greatly and so rapidly. You know, it used to be maybe 10, 15 years ago that a wheelchair could weigh, I don't know, 80 kilos, 100 kilos. But now some of just the wheelchairs themselves with the seating systems with the power seat functions on them can be upwards of 150, 160 kilos. And then you put the weight of the person on there. So I think that's what's yeah. driving the change. But I also agree that once we get that complicated, um, a docking system is, is probably safer and less at risk for malus. And do you want to describe maybe what yeah. a docking pin is? Just so that we're... Yeah, yeah. 
So a docking pin for, for people that um, are not aware. So tie downs are straps that pull the wheelchair down to the floor of the car. So you hook them onto the wheelchair and then you do them up tight and it pulls the wheelchair base down in towards the floor to make it nice and secure. A docking station is, is a little bit different. Um, what it does is, what you do first of all is um, your engineer or your modifications team, they need to put a, uh, a pin on the bottom of your power wheelchair base. Sometimes it can go on a manual chair as well, but they put a pin on the bottom of your uh, wheelchair. And that can come in lots of different shapes and varieties depending on the type of docking station um, that you get. And that pin fits into what's called the, the station. The station's attached to the floor and that actually um, is secured to the floor and then the wheelchair drives forward and the pin locates into the station. And then that is the security to stop the wheelchair from moving when we are traveling along. So that is your security blanket of the wheelchair not being propelled forward because it's actually attached to the floor of the car. Um, and sometimes there's docking stations that can have a little bit of movement in it, a little bit of sideways movement, a little bit of twist in it. It's not going, the wheelchair is not going to propel forward, but it is, there are little elements of wiggle in that when you use a single pin docking station. There's other docking stations out there that have got a plate, like the Dahl docking system has got a plate, which stops it wiggling around a little bit more. There's the Kiwi one as well, which has got three pins. There's different standards of docking stations as well. I just wanted to put that out there in regards to how it works and then what type of um, docking stations are kind of available. Um, it's not just one type of docking station. There's different levels, just like there's different levels of wheelchairs, there's different levels of docking stations as well. Yeah, and, the, and the heavier ones, what we're seeing is the, the, the dial docking stations seems to be the preferred ones for those real heavy wheelchairs because it's got quite a big plate on it. Um, so that seems to be the way to go. So what I might do, Amy, is um, just, I guess now that we've been talking about this um, tie downs and the crash testing and so on, one thing which is, um, and Brad might add a little bit to this, it's something that I get a lot of um, feedback and confusion from the therapists in terms of what do we need to look out for? You know, they're, they're, I guess the therapists are prescribing these wheelchairs. They're trained in, you know, seating, not transport. And, and, um, and they're getting trapped often in these situations where they've prescribed the seating, done the job as per quote unquote uni, uni, uni training if you if you'd like and then um then all of a sudden as you say they haven't thought about the transport or it wasn't considered and then it's kind of a trap and then they're backed into a corner of being responsible or being yelled at or whatever and they didn't even think about it so um so is there hints and tips and so on common things you see i don't know if brad's got anything else to add from an ot point of view on that point i'll, I'll ask amy to go first i mean she's she's the the wheelchair uh, expert. I'm, I'm an OT that uh, works on the transport side of it all. And quite often I'm working in conjunction with the wheelchair prescriber to try and get the best uh, outcome. 
but on this occasion, I would ask Amy to um, outline what are the really important things in the wheelchair that need to be considered. And then she might come to me and ask what are the things that are considered from a transport point of view. So Amy, what are the, what are, to answer Ali's question, what are the uh, things that prescribers of wheelchairs should really be honing in on um, when, they're, when they're prescribing it and not making those mistakes? Yeah. First and foremost, start the transport conversation early. How is the person going to be transported in what type of vehicle? Does it need to fold or are they going to be riding in the vehicle in the wheelchair? Um, then if they already have the vehicle, what are the space restrictions? What's the narrowest thing they have to fit through? What's the shortest thing they have to fit through? What's the turning space within the vehicle? Um, next, I would make sure that any chair that they're looking for is, has been crash tested. And we talked through what a crash test definition is. Um, what they're called is a WC19 or an ISO 7176. Um, so it needs to have that crash testing um, classification. There's a website that they can look at to see what frames have been um, crash tested, or I'm sure their local supplier could tell them. Um, from there, I would start looking at, I guess we talked about space requirements. Um, you do need to make sure that there's enough head clearance and you need to make sure that there's enough clearance in front of them and behind them. The next place I would start to look at is making sure that they can meet the, the requirements of the restraints. There needs to be a headrest. The headrest is in a different position um, than where we might put a postural headrest. We need to have the additional seat belt. Where is that gonna go? Who's going to apply that? Um, if they use other things attached to the chair, where are they going to be safely stowed while they're being transported? That's you know, oxygen tanks, suction units, trays, um, how they hold their tablet onto the frame of the chair. Um, and then I guess the next question would be who's going to tie them down and you know how who needs to be trained in this process? Did I miss anything? No, I've written down um, some really important uh, points there that you've written down. I'd just like to highlight some of those. Um, if we could, Amy, if you've got a link to the website that you uh, talked about for frames that have been uh, crash tested would love to put it in the show notes so people listening to this podcast can go and find that nice and easily i actually um, have a quite a good um uh, presentation that talks excellent. through what the definition is i'll send that through so it can go in the notes as well thank you that would be great i'm sure our uh, listeners would would love to see that um the head clearance could we just unpack the head clearance from from a from a safety point of view it's it's not okay to be having your head up against the roof of the car, is no. it? So, yes, you need 100 mil. That's 100 what the mil. Standard says anyway. 10, 10 centimetres above your head. So if you go over a massive bump, you're not going to hit your head, but it's also the fact that if the car rolls, then there's a little bit of crush room before it actually impacts on your spine. Yeah. Um, and the space around the wheelchair there's, um, Ali, you might be able to help us out with this one as well in regards to impact zones. There, yeah. We need to consider space in front of the person for that forward movement if they're ever involved in an accident, but also the sideways movement if they're involved in a, in a side impact accident. What, what are the space areas that we need to consider around the front of the wheelchair? 
So, I mean, we actually discussed this, I think, um, with Amin as well in mm -hmm. the standards um, discussion. So there's the frontal clear zones and they're the most important ones. Um, and then the rear, the rear end side, it's the, generally speaking, what we um, say is uh, go to the manufacturer of the wheelchair. They'll have like a diagram in their manual that specifies all the angles. And, and, and I always basically direct people to that from, from multiple points of view. One, it's good to be regularly referring to those guidelines um, and being familiar with that stuff. You know, so, so it's like a, just a good practice um, that look, if you want to know that information, go to the owner's manual of your wheelchair because there is a lot of really important and good information in there that you really need to know. Um, and it's good practice to be regularly consulting that. So, so generally those um, uh, angles and those uh, distances are in there. Um, yeah. And I'll say what you need to know. Yeah, absolutely. And for people listening into this, make sure you go and search uh, for a MINS uh, interview that we did with him in regards to the standards where we really unpack those standards, really unpack them in a lot of detail in regards to what needs to be considered. So if you're a modifier out there and you're looking at space or an OT and you're looking at space around the wheelchair, we really unpack those with Amin and go into those standards in more detail. Um, the, the three here that you mentioned, and I, and I really want to make people strongly aware of these, is uh, the headrest. Uh, or the, the head restraint. When it's in a car, it's a restraint. Um, some people may need to be resting on it at all times for their postural support. But what kind of standards, you were saying that it has to have a headrest when you're in a car. And I think that's really important to understand. If we're in a manual wheelchair and you're transporting in the manual wheelchair, quite often manual wheelchairs don't have a headrest. Is that something that you come across regularly, Amy? the more active chairs absolutely yes yeah. and the other thing is the headrest that we use for postural support is more below the, the occiput right but with the head restraint needs to be as close to the top of that head and nearly touching the head um, in order to be a proper restraint to you know reduce whiplash so amy do you educate carers to reposition it for transport yeah, add one that's appropriate for transport or reposition. Yes, yeah. whatever is easiest. And the other big thing that you uh, spoke about was uh, stowing of trays or tablets. Um, but then it, there's another point that I want to bring up in regards to armrests and where the seatbelt is actually going to go as well. Is it okay to travel with a tray table in front of you? Uh, most of those tray tables are hard surfaces and could injure somebody during a crash. So no, those should be stowed. There are some soft trays that can be used if that tray is a postural necessity and the risk of being in a crash is higher if they're in that or the damage in, during that crash would be worse if they didn't have any sort of a soft tray. Yeah. I guess that's one comment that I really want to make is that, you know, these crash tests are standards. Um, but we need to think clinically um, about what the risks and implications are if somebody were to get into a crash in a very horrible seated posture. You know, we need to think about those ramifications, understand the risks, the benefits, and talk through the clients and the caregivers about, you know, what, what makes the most sense. Um, and the other one there was tablets. They may need to have a tablet um, for communication. 
to be able to communicate with the driver um, or to be able to, yeah, for, for other reasons as well. Um, sure. Um, so sometimes that just needs to be within arm's reach. Same with tray tables as well, by the way, is that some people need to make a decision that they need it for behavioral support. Sure. And, and that's a different conversation. We're not going to go into that one today, but the first thing is that it should be removed out of the impact zone because the body gets flung forward. The body shouldn't be flung into a hard surface. So if we're talking about a tablet, what type of considerations do we need to have for a secure tablet? So it's out of the way. Uh, it, we don't want it to be a missile when yep. you get into a car crash. So is it secure? Is it locked into place? Can it tolerate those G-forces? Um, and then if not, you need to make that risk assessment. Is it better that they have the communication available or is, does that need to be stowed? And then there's you know eyesight of a caregiver that can monitor what's happening. So for the driver trained OTs out there that are maybe coming into this, they are strong, strong considerations that need to be considered for when we're prescribing a wheelchair accessible van. The van shape may be this, but we need to also look at some of the wheelchair aspects as well to make sure that we're being uh, we're educating the client that now that they're moving into this van, that that needs to be a strong consideration. You may need to work with your wheelchair uh, prescribing OT if you're not an expert in that area. And I put my hand up. I'm always asking for advice um, for around the wheelchair side of it all. And then we add that into uh, our reports with extra evidence that we've considered these uh, elements. Um, the last one that I want to uh, talk about, the wheelchairs behind you in the picture have um, armrests that are just platforms to rest the elbow on. They don't fold from the backrest as such. Um, there's different types of armrests that uh, can be prescribed. I'm a big fan of the ones of the one the ones behind you because it allows room for the seatbelt to pass down and around the body of the of the person. The yeah, down through this area uh, that Amy's just pointing out. If you're watching this on uh, YouTube, down past the hips and behind you, because the the seatbelt actually passes down and attaches behind the wheelchair to the to the body of the car. So if the wheelchair actually has solid armrests. Is there things that can be retrofitted to an old wheelchair to be able to make that better, Amy? Well, um, I guess you would want that to be considered in your new chair. You know, this is called a single post or even a flip back so that there's space for that seat belt to come through. Um, if you were trying to retrofit a, a wheelchair to a new car, or a van, um, yes, there would be modifications that you could make to the armrests, either switching those out to a different kind or moving them around on the frame. Um, again, talk to your, your supplier or the wheelchair specialist about what modifications can be made. But generally speaking, there's, um, there are different types of armrests that could be switched out or modified. Yeah. The, the last point that I really want to make here is, is that with all of these modifications, we're trying to make the wheelchair user, the person that, that needs the wheelchair transport, as safe as the driver in the front seat. The same type of elements uh, are being considered here. The front seat has a headrest. The front seat has a three-point harness. 
that three-point seat belt, which is a shoulder sash and a lap sash, a lap belt, I should say, uh, and that's over the bony prominences of the of the uh, occupant. And then it's got a, a solid crash-tested seat to stop that having major implications if ever involved in an accident. And that's what we're trying to replicate where, wherever possible with a wheelchair user, keeping in mind that the wheelchair is not a car seat. And there's lots of elements on the wheelchair that become areas that could impact an occupant if ever involved in an accident. And that's, that's what we're trying to work around wherever possible. And there are standards um, that have been written uh, from, from the manufacturers of, of cars and the car standards, but also from the wheelchairs. And they need to meld together uh, to, to get the best possible outcome. One, one last thing I'll mention, and then we can start wrapping it up. Um, comfort is also a significant part of safety. If you're uncomfortable, you're not going to use the, um, safe, the devices properly as well. So I know like as an engineer myself, we can be guilty of just focusing purely on the you know, technical side of things and the safety aspects and those crash tests and so on. Um, but at the end of the day, if someone is not comfortable um, and you're not uh, like assessing that part of it as well and, and you're just thinking about, you know, ticking those crash safety boxes, um, you could actually do, the, uh, do yourself damage by somebody not using the device properly. So you want to make sure that they're comfortable in using that device in that right way as well. And I'll add to that, you know, not only comfort, but stability. If somebody yeah. isn't posturally stable, they'll probably slide out. And then, you know, they, they're at higher risk if an accident were to occur. Yeah. Can we just, we, there's one point that I want to make on that as well. Quite often people need to travel in tilt for their, for their medical condition or their disability. They need to be able to travel in tilt, one for postural support. They can't sit upright because of uh, trunk support in their, in their body. Um, but also lung issues, breathing issues, swallowing issues, all kinds of things like that, where the client needs to be in tilt. Could we just finish off this technical conversation around what's, in, what's involved in assessing that risk in regards to, to traveling in tilt? Yeah, and I tried to make that point before. You know, the standards are um, um, tick boxes that, that are there for the utmost safety and to designate it as crash tested. However, these are individuals with different abilities and postures and, and disabilities. And so I think we need to look at our clinical judgment and figure out what is the safest mechanism doing a risk assessment if somebody needed to have their tray, if somebody had to have their tablet, if somebody had to travel in tilt, risk analysis, benefits, you know, risks, have a discussion with the end user, have the discussion with the family members and figure out what makes the most sense um, for the entire cohort. Yep. But I think if you at least have the conversations, document it, people can be um, enabled to be making good decisions based on their current situation. Um, I like Western Australia's travel safe um, checklist. They have sort of a five page document um, that I think does it really nicely, succinctly. Um, so just in a sort of triggering, I think therapists, have you thought about this? Have you communicated this? Have you documented it? And um, enabling again, families and, and, and users to make good decisions. 
Yeah, and uh, if we can, we might share that uh, travel safe document as well for the yes. listeners, and we'll put that on our show notes as well. So you've got a link to that as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. I think that's a wonderful place to to finish up today. Um, Amy, we can't let you get away though without our final question that we ask all of our people uh, that come on and, and do an interview with us. Um, you you're you use a vehicle as well. I do. Oh, that's good. That's going to lead into this question. Um, you're, also, you're also a big bike rider. So well, my maybe, answer may uh, be different than you think. All right. So the, our final question that we ask everybody is, we know that cars are more than getting from A to B. They add so much to life. What is something that you use your car for or something that you've done in your car that nobody else knows about or is a little bit different? Um, I guess I use my car a lot to transport my bike. I am a big biker. I use my bike to uh, commute back and forth to work. So it helps me get a little bit closer. Um, But I also have some pretty good um, disco dance parties in my car when I'm stuck in Sydney traffic. So there you go. Those reasons. (laughs) Uh, Disco ball? Um, Not yet. Not yet. I have room. So. Uh, Righto. Uh, Amy, thank you very much for coming on. There is, um, there's so many... Oh, the term that we've been using is little gold nuggets um, in quite a few of our interviews uh, lately. And this one is, is full of gold um, for people that are considering wheelchair transport um, and what type of things to consider when they're going for a new wheelchair. Um, but even if they've got an old wheelchair um, and when they're, they're going into um, a vehicle, what type of things need to be considered in regards to are they actually transporting in a safe way? So I, I'm really thankful for you coming on. I'd love to talk to you one more time about access cabs or, or maxi cabs and, um, and ways that we could potentially make that safer for people as well. Um, would you be interested in coming back on and having another chat at some stage? Sure, absolutely. I'd love to. Yeah. And also just um, put it out there, I hope it's okay. Um, if therapists are stuck with anything around Sunrise Medical products, reach out to uh, Sunrise Medical, Amy and the team, from my experience, are great people, uh, great to work with and uh, really friendly and really nice. So, um, so yeah, can help yeah. you with all your needs. Amy, are you happy for us to put up, our, uh, put up your connections um, yeah. for, for answering some of these questions? That'd be great. All right. Well, thank you very much. Now, for our listeners, um, Ali and I will um, say goodbye to Amy, but we hang around because after the little break, uh, Ali and I will break down some of the some of those gold chunks that were in this interview and just bring them to the surface again and, and reflect on on some of the things we learned from Amy. So, Amy, thank you very much. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks a lot. See you again. Driving is something many take for granted. All right, that's it for this episode. Thank you very much for joining us. And a huge thank you to Amy Bjornsson for joining us on this one. Um, I'm talking us through basically all your information around uh, crash testing, wheelchairs, standards. She really is an expert. Um, Brad, what did you think about that? Uh, she is an expert and, and she talks with uh, a, lot of, a lot of background knowledge. You can tell that um, with the way she presented on the podcast and I really thank her for that. What we're going to do now is we're going to reflect on, um, from now on, we're going to reflect on the top three takeaways that Ali and I have from the interviews and my num- well, our number one takeaway 
is that transport should be considered right at the start of the conversation when prescribing a wheelchair. Um, Ali and I are strong believers of that, but it was great to hear Amy uh, talk about that in the interview. Ali, um, what were your thoughts around that uh, conversation right yeah, at the start? I, it, was, it was really good that someone of that high level is, um, is kind of thinking in that way. Um, and the reason why I say that as high level is if I put my vehicle modifiers hat on, um, I think of myself as maybe of a lower level than someone like Amy. Um, and, 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 um, and I guess as a modifier, um, it, it really does suck when um, your clients come to you and no one has thought about transport and you're trying to quote them on options and they can't have them because it hasn't been thought about by the therapist or something like that. It's very frustrating. It's personally like I, it's personally painful to watch, you know, um, because people need the stuff. But just because someone hasn't thought about the transport, um, you know, they, there's. I'll give you an example. We saw one um, two years ago. I went to one where they never thought about the transport, and they went through this whole process of getting a wheelchair prescribed. It's like an eighty-five thousand dollar wheelchair, um, and because that wheelchair was not able to be transported. But because they had spent 80, and it was huge, and because they had spent $85,000 on this wheelchair, they weren't getting anything else. They had no any other money either. Um, so basically, for the next five or six years, the way that story was for that person was no transport. Mm. Because they had a, because NDIS had funded them something that was not to, able to be transported or could be used in transport, um, because nobody thought about that and considered that. And they had already funded the wheelchair. So yeah, that was it. So that really hurts. And that leads into uh, gold nugget number two, a uh, big takeaway from today's interview with Amy. Think about the next seven years. That's what NDIS are thinking about for large sums of money that they're, that they're looking at ticking uh, to fund. So when we're talking about a wheelchair, and Amy highlighted this really well, is that we're thinking about the next five, seven, eight, ten years of life and not just the now. It's not just what's suitable right now. It's what's suitable for the next um, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. And um, really future-proofing the wheelchair for all of those needs. And what came into that conversation was transport as well. What are their transport needs going to be for the next uh, seven years? Are they going to need to upgrade their car? Are they going to need to, need to consider other elements with their, with their transport as well? And also, I really liked um, Amy's, uh, if you'd like, attention to detail around all of that. If you paid attention throughout the podcast, even things like how much turning space do you have in your car or on your driveway and all of those little details, I was really impressed that she was talking about that stuff. And I really think, um, like, go back and listen to those things because those things are very important things that can make or break one wheelchair prescription, you know, like just the turning circle of your driveway, can you turn your wheelchair to get yeah. it into the house? I mean, if yeah. you can't, then you can't, you know, then you can't use it. So all of those little details, headspace, you know, all of those things, I think are, were great things to think about, not just go and tick those boxes and go, okay, yeah, I've ticked that transport um, box. I've, I've thought about this entire environment. And I, and I thought that was really, really good. And the driver OTs need to consider that as well. Um, and the vehicle modifiers, you know, if you put a ramp on the car, is it going to suit the wheelchair? But is there going to be turning space at the end of it to be able to utilise that ramp? Um, are they going to have to 
have their car down the street and drive to their car so they can get in and out of it. Is that, is that appropriate? All of these things need to be considered. And I think that leads into uh, the hot point number three from this interview is considering the standards, knowing the standards. And, and like we've said, we've done interviews with Amin um, about those standards. Uh, we're digging really deep into those in those episodes so make sure that you go and look for those um, episodes where we talk to women and we really dig deep into the Australian standard for vehicle modifications. But um, we're going to also share with you those standards around the wheelchairs um, in the show notes of this one. Uh, Amy's going to provide those for us to put with the show notes of this. So make sure that you search down below um, on your favorite channel for those show notes and those links to those standards for the wheelchair um, and what that actually means for crash testing, um, headspace, tray tables, all of those type of things. The real other important thing that we want to highlight with this one is that you need to clinically justify, and she made mention of it, document why you can't meet the standard and why is that so important to the client to not meet those standards in regards to tray tables, sitting upright, tilt. Why are we, why are we um, suggesting that you're not transporting according to the, the standards? And is that clinically justifiable to be able to do that? Um, and really making sure that that's really well documented as there's no other choice to be able to get it uh, out and about into the community. Yeah, and as we said uh, previously, it's your responsibility if you're in that space as a therapist, professional, even mod well, definitely modifier, certifier, you've got to have copies of the standards. You have to own them. So go and buy them. Um, if you're working in that space, there's no excuse not to have a copy of it and, and not to be familiar with it. So that's just the bottom line. 100%. 100%. And they're not actually, from a personal point of view, they're not even that complicated. They're actually fairly easy to read and use. So just get out there and read them and, and you'll find they're pretty easy. So yeah. So yeah, and I guess on that note, um, as we say in every every uh, every episode, if you have any queries about what you can do and what will work for you, get in contact with your local OT or mobility dealer and set yourself up with a trial. As we always say, trials really do put you in the driver's seat. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time, Brad. Yeah, and and one more person, make sure you get into your uh, seating specialist, whether it's Sunrise oh, yes. or or somebody else. If you're considering a wheelchair for transport please talk to the experts, talk to the people that know and trial these and have these. If you're, if you're a wheelchair user, you can listen to this episode and fill yourself full of knowledge and make sure that you ask the right questions when you go and trial your wheelchair. That's it. Thanks very much, Ali. We'll see you in the next episode. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Drive Able Podcast with Brad Williams and Ali Akbarian. If you like what you've heard, make sure you like, rate, and subscribe. It really does make a massive difference. If you or anyone you know would like to share a story about driving with a disability, or you would like to get in contact, find the show notes, or find the resources mentioned in this episode, you can find us on Facebook. Just search at Drive Able Podcast for more information.